Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. If you are enjoying this podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. Our listener support campaign continues and you can become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month at patreon.greatdetectives.net. And you'll receive our monthly update as well as being able to vote on things such as our summer series. And you can also support the show on a one-time basis by going to our PayPal link at support.greatdetectives.net. But now it is time for the conclusion of this week's Yours Truly Johnny Dollar serial. And unfortunately, this is a serial where we're missing an episode. And it is actually episode four. So what will happen is we will play episode three, and then I'll provide a synopsis of the fourth episode based on John Abbott's tremendous book, The Who Is Johnny Dollar Matter, and then we'll play episode five. So now, from April 25th, 1956, here is The Lonely Hearts Matter, episode three. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar call to Hartford, Mr. Dollar. Go ahead, please. Johnny, what's up? Plenty, Dave. The Wells girl was right. Her father was murdered. We just got the autopsy report. He died from a dose of ground glass. Then I'll put a stop order on the insurance claim. It was filed this afternoon. And something else, Dave. A man died in St. Louis about two and a half years ago. I wonder if you'd have mutual records service check and see if he was insured. His name was Walter Maberly Burke. Burke? Well, Johnny, Yeah, I know. Jonathan Wells' widow was previously married to Burke. They were married at the time of his death, and he also died suddenly and mysteriously. Holy smoke. Just called her murdering Mabel. Oh, you haven't met her, Dave. She's just a sweet old lady who's had a little bad luck now and then. And she regards death as the doorway to a greater and more glorious life. Oh? Well, that sounds very noble. It would, if she didn't keep slamming the door. Tonight... And every weekday night, Bob Bailey and the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. From Special Investigator Johnny Dollar, location Chicago, to the home office, Northwestern Surety Company, Hartford, Connecticut. Assignment, the Lonely Hearts Matter. Expense account continued. Item 8, $7.65, dinner for Norma Wells and myself. It was brought up by room service and we ate alone in my suite. Norma didn't feel like facing the dining room. I was still trying to figure her out. When she'd come to me with a claim that her father had been poisoned by her stepmother for his insurance, I'd tagged her for a jealous, hysterical kid. And that's still once. But now, with the autopsy report in, it was more than that. She was right. Jonathan Wells had been poisoned. 
And again, when she told me someone was hanging around her apartment, I only half believed her. But by now, I was about ready to believe anything. I'd have sworn I couldn't eat a bite. Well, you needed it. You've been going on nothing but nerve. And I'll still be. Until this is all over. Well, it shouldn't take long now. That autopsy report gives us the green light. The police will move in now, and we can put the pressure on. It's, it's such a terrible thing. Why, why, six months ago, when she married him, she was planning this right then. It looks that way, all right. Father was always so good to her. Yes, and to that worthless nephew of hers, Burton Creeley. What kind of a mind does a person have, Mr. Dollar? To do a thing like she did. Well, it hasn't been proved yet that she's the one who did it, Miss Wells. No, but who else could have? I don't know. More coffee? No, thanks. Well, whenever you're finished, we'll take a taxi over to your apartment and pick up whatever you need and then get you a room here at the hotel. I don't think you're in danger, but I imagine you'll feel a lot less nervous here. Oh, I will. And, and I do appreciate your, your help and kindness, Mr. Dollar. Forget it. It's part of my job. Only this time, when you check in, you go to your room and stay put. What do you mean? When I came back from talking to Mabel Burke, Max Lancer from the DA's office was waiting for me down in the lobby. He said he'd phoned here to the room five or six times, got no answer. I was here. I, I heard the phone, but well, I didn't know if, if you wanted me to answer. He sent a bellboy up to knock on the door. Well, I, I must have been in the shower. I was here all the time. Don't you believe me? Any reason I shouldn't believe you? Are you through eating? Yes. Okay, let's go. Expense account item nine, a dollar and eighty cents. Taxi from the hotel to Norma Wells' apartment. Night had fallen over the city and the tall buildings of the loop shimmered above the noisy blaze of lights. Laughing groups of early dinner goers jostled through the scrambling packs of late shoppers. Auto horns, blaring jazz, newsboys, traffic whistles. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Yesterday never was, tomorrow's only a dream, and today's nearly gone. So hurry it up and let's get going. We'll sleep when we're dead. Like Jonathan Wells on his cool marble slab in the city morgue. It's apartment C, the next door on the left. Right. <laughs> I have a key here somewhere. Sure you locked it? Oh, yes, I always... It's not locked. Well, you were scared when you left, and maybe you No. Did. I remember locking the door. You sure? Yes. Now it's... Stay some... back. What is it, Mr. Dollar? Come on in. Oh... Oh, no. Yeah, it looks as though you've had visitors, Miss Wells. The whole place turned upside down. Why would anyone want to do that? Looking for something, probably. For what? I don't know. Suppose you look around, see if you notice anything missing. It's no use, Mr. Dollar. I've gone through the whole place twice now. And I'm certain that nothing's been taken. But they had to have some reason to break in here, go through everything this way. I suppose so, but... Well, I'm positive there's nothing missing. All right. If there isn't, there isn't. Well, do you suppose that coffee's ready now? Oh, I think so. Come on in the kitchen. I guess you'll believe me now. Somebody was hanging around here earlier today. Mm. Just wish I could figure what they're after. Hmm. Looks plenty strong. There's sugar there on the table. 
I'll get some cream from the refrigerator. Don't bother on my account. I drink it black. Well, not me. I use plenty of both. Lots and lots of cream and two heaping spoons of sugar. Well, they must have had a reason to break in here. If it wasn't to steal something, then what was the reason? The sugar looks funny. Doesn't make sense at all. I guess I ought to keep it covered. Mm. The sugar. I was saying it looked funny. Well... Wait a minute. Maybe they broke in to leave something. Leave something? Yeah. Here, give me that cup. And the spoon. What are you doing? Look. That's funny. It didn't even dissolve. The sugar dissolved, all right. Well, then what's that in the spoon? Brown glass. I phoned Max Lancer and had him send over a policewoman to accompany Norma Wells back to the hotel, get her checked in, and stay with her overnight. Then I called the Wells residence. The old lady answered the phone herself, and I asked for her nephew, Burton Creeley. She said he wasn't in. So on an off chance, I took a taxi to the office of the Rendezvous Club, Lonely Hearts Unlimited. There was no light showing behind the transom over the door. door was unlocked. I fumbled around for a light switch, but somebody beat me to it. Get your hands up! Well, at least I've found you in this time. What are you doing here? Who are you? Put that gun away, Creeley. Or if you're going to use it, you'd better take the safety off first. Safety? What are you doing? All right, let go of it, Creeley. Thanks. You think you'll get away with this, mister? You're crazy. Mm, My mistake. The safety was off. Sorry to rough you up, but I don't like people who go around pointing guns at people without any reason for it. You broke in here. That's illegal entry. I'll have you arrested. Why not? Why not? The phone's right behind you. Who are you, anyway? Johnny Dollar. I'm a special investigator for the Northwestern Surety Company. What? I imagine the name is familiar to you, since they're holding a $50,000 life insurance policy on the late Jonathan Wells, with your Aunt Mabel named as beneficiary. What are you doing here? Looking for you, as a matter of fact. What for? I wanted to ask you why you sneaked out through the door there the other day in the office when I was here earlier. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, knock it off, Creeley. You got in such a hurry, you left your cigar burning there in the ashtray, the same brand you're smoking right now. I I thought you were a bill collector. You knew who I was. You were listening there at the door while I talked to your secretary. Now, why'd you run out? Oh, all right, all right. I did know who you were, Mr. Dollar, but, well, you're misinterpreting things. No kidding. In what way? I was... Late for an appointment. I, I didn't want to get tied up. I figured you could find out anything you wanted to know from my aunt. I, I, I saw no necessity for talking to you. I see. Where have you been since then? Right here, most of the time. And the rest of the time? Well, what difference does it make? You weren't over at Norma Wells' apartment by any chance. <laughs> Are you kidding? I detest that girl. Why so? Because she's a smug, self-satisfied little phony. She's too big for a britches. What makes you think I'd be hanging around her? Somebody was. I don't get it. Somebody broke into her apartment this afternoon or this evening and turned it upside down. She hasn't got anything I want. They didn't take anything. They broke in to leave something. I found some ground glass planted in her sugar bowl. Ground glass? Sound familiar? What are you getting at? You mean you haven't heard about the coroner's report on Jonathan Wells? No, Why? What has that got to Mr. do with... Mr. Wells died from a dose of ground glass. Good Lord. You, you mean he was killed, murdered? I don't imagine he ate the stuff intentionally, do you? I can't 
believe it. Yeah. Well, the police aren't having that trouble. I just can't imagine anybody. Such a nice guy. He always got along fine with everybody. Including you? Yes. We got to be good friends. What about his daughter, Norma? I don't really know. She blew a top and moved out a month after Aunt Mabel and Jonathan were married. Why? Jealous, I guess. She couldn't stand it to see her father pay any attention to anybody but her. Did they quarrel much? Jonathan never quarreled with anybody. No, she just seemed to go around with a mad on most of the time. She's a rare one, that girl. What do you mean? Oh, she seems to think of herself as a princess or something. I understand you made quite a play for her at first. I suppose she told you that. Did you? I tried to be friendly to her, that's all. I, I don't know what she chose to call it. Mr. Dollar, I'm engaged to Miss Tetler, the girl that works here in the office. Mm-hmm. What do you do for a living, Mr. Creedy? I take care of this correspondence club for Aunt Mabel. I've got sort of a heart condition. I can't work too hard. I see. You know, it might be a good idea if you checked in with the police. They'll probably want to talk to you. Well, who do they think did it? Well, they haven't arrested anybody yet, but there are a lot of straws pointing in one direction. What direction? Towards your Aunt Mabel, I'm afraid. But that's ridiculous. Now, she may be a little vague, not quite all with it, maybe, but she wouldn't do a thing like that. They're out to frame her. That's what they're doing. Who else had a motive, Mr. Creeley? But what about his daughter? She stands to gain by all this. She inherits the estate. Maybe she faked that burglary, planted the ground glass in her apartment herself. Have you thought of that, Mr. Dollar? Yeah. Yeah, I've thought of it. Now, here's our star to tell you about tomorrow's intriguing episode of this week's story. Tomorrow, another murder comes to light, another link in a long chain, and an old lady weeps for the wasted years. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, is transcribed in Hollywood. Written by Les Crutchfield, it is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone. Be sure to join us tomorrow night, same time and station, for the next exciting episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Roy Rowan speaking.
Alright, well, in episode four, Johnny receives a call from Dave Elwood with Northwestern Surety and advises that Mrs. Wells' first husband, Walter Burke, died and Mabel was the beneficiary of a $50,000 life insurance policy. Bax comes by from the district attorney's office to have a word with Nora And then Johnny goes to see Mrs. Wells, who goes on at some length about her conversation with Max and her husband. When Johnny mentions the ground glass, uh, she claims that it was ridiculous and says her husband would have known. She also said that a person's death is written in the stars and that astrology is as real as reincarnation. And apparently they had a record speed exhumation of Mabel's first husband as Max calls to inform Johnny that Walter Burke died of ground glass. Johnny hangs up, and then at this moment, Mrs. Wells collapses in pain. Now let's find out what happens in episode 5, original air date, April 27th, 1956. Let's go ahead and listen. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. Max Lancer, Johnny. DA's office. How is she? Pretty weak. The hospital staff are doing all they can for her, but they don't give her much hope. Has she been able to talk? No, not yet. Maybe not ever. It was ground glass, all right. The doctor's sure of it now. The same as her husband. Why, Johnny? Why her? I'll guess with you. Maybe she figured we were closing in on her. The game was over and took this way out. We had nothing on her, Max. Suspicion, that's all we were going on. She'd had two husbands in the last three years. Both of them died from the effects of ground glass poisoning. And both times she goes for $50,000 insurance. That's all we had to go on, and it wasn't enough. But maybe she didn't realize that. I can give you a better theory. Okay, sound off. Somebody tried to murder her. Tonight, and every weekday night, Bob Bailey and the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly... Johnny Dollar. From Special Investigator Johnny Dollar, location Chicago, to the Home Office, Northwestern Surety Company, Hartford, Connecticut. Assignment, the Lonely Hearts Matter. Expense account, final page. Item 15, $2.60, sandwiches, cigarettes, and incidentals, which I had sent up from a lunchroom across the street from the hospital. It was evening again now. I'd spent the whole day in the lounge down the hall from the room where Mabel Burke Wells was fighting for her life. Fighting and slowly losing. I'd tagged her as a murderess responsible for the deaths of two of her husbands. But then she herself had been struck down by the same poison. And now only she had the key to the puzzle. A key she might never give up. Calling Dr. Kenworthy. Dr. Kenworthy. Oh, hiya, Creeley. Any change yet in my aunt's condition? No. No, I just talked to the doctor. If anything, she's even weaker. She didn't even recognize me. I've been in the room off and on all day. She didn't even know I was there. Well, she's in pretty bad shape. Sit down. You look a little rocky yourself. Thanks. 
I feel that way. Aunt Mabel's been a real mother to me. This is quite a shock. Yes, I imagine. Doctor says it's the same thing that killed Jonathan. Yes, that's right. Well, that just doesn't make any sense, Mr. Dollar. Say, tell me something. Did anyone come to the house to see your aunt? Either last night after Lancer left or this morning before I got there? And as far as I know, why do you think someone might have? I don't know. She'd already gone to bed when I came in last night. I left early this morning. It's possible, of course, but I don't believe anyone did. She never had any visitors. She's always been a lonely person, actually. Maybe that's why she started the Lonely Hearts Club. Yes, it was. I suggested the idea to her as a way to meet friends and be around people. She loved it. Why couldn't she and Jonathan's daughter, Norma Wells, get along? Ah, she's a strange girl. Always had a chip on her shoulder. I spoke to Jonathan about it once, but he just laughed it off. He said Norma just had too much possessiveness. Yeah, well, I guess it's natural. The two of them had been alone a long time until he married your aunt. Mr. Dollar. Yeah? The police think that Aunt Mabel killed him, don't they? They've got some pretty strong reasons for thinking so. And the way she is now, dying in her, I suppose they think she did it herself? It's possible she did. Is that what you think? Oh, I'm not sure I am. Oh, come on over, Miss Wells. Uh, I didn't want to interrupt. Just making conversation. You two know each other, I guess. Yes. Well, I think I'll get on a cup of coffee. See you later, Doc. I can't stand that man. So I gather. How is she? Not much change. Couldn't bear just sitting in that hotel room wondering what was happening. She hasn't been able to talk? No, not yet. I don't understand it. My father died less than two hours after he was first stricken. Difference in constitution, maybe. Different dosage. She's too mean to die. She's... I'm sorry I said that. It was cruel and heartless, but... That's the way I feel. I, I can't help it. When I think of my father, so kind and gentle, murdered in cold blood by that If woman. she did do it, then why this? You mean the same thing happening to her? That's right. Remorse, maybe, if she's capable of it. Or fear. I don't know why. Maybe she's insane. I've always thought she might be. Oh, she's sane, all right. As sane as any of us. And what do you think happened to her? Oh, I don't know. We probably never will know. She'll die without talking, and, and there'll never be any proof. That's a possibility. That, that worthless nephew of hers will collect the insurance, I suppose. That's not my department. But under the circumstances, I think he'd have a legal claim. It's, it's horrible. Mr. Dollar. What is it, nurse? She's conscious, and she wants to see you. She was a dying woman. I could see at the moment Norma Wells and I walked into the room. I sent the nurse to find her nephew, Burton Creeley, and he slipped in quietly a few seconds later. The old lady lay back on her pillows, smiling to herself as usual, bright-eyed with a last burst of false vitality. Death was only minutes away. All of us knew it. And she knew it, too. My gracious. All of you look so serious. But it was nice of you to come. It keeps a body from feeling lonesome. You save your strength now, Mrs. Wells. What on earth for? Body can't enjoy the last few breaths. Might as well not be living. Please, Aunt Mabel, let's... Don't you please me, Burton Creeley. Straighten your tie. You look a fright. My, 
Certainly nice to see you here, Norma. I, well, I, I, I just... always said to Jonathan, it's just a crying shame that Norma and me can't hit it off better. <laughs> he just laughed and Mrs. Said, Wells. Oh, be quiet, young man. I know what you're after. All in due time. As a matter of fact, that's why I wanted to see you. I've been in my senses for the last hour, but I just didn't let on. I wanted a chance to think. I'm about to die, you know. Aunt Mabel, don't talk that way. Oh, simmer down, Burton. Death is only the doorway to a more glorious life. You remember that. Mr. Dollar, I didn't do it. I know. I finally came to that conclusion myself, too late. You mean you're not surprised? No. Well, at least it's a help that I don't have to convince you. I'm afraid I won't have that much time. What are you saying? You heard me, Norma. I said I didn't kill Jonathan. Well, I was much too fond of him to do a thing like that. Who did kill him, Mrs. Wells? That's what I was puzzling over for the last hour. Then, when I figured it out, I had to decide whether to let sleeping dogs lie or see that justice took its course. And I... I... Easy now. <laughs> but I remembered how kind Jonathan had been and decided to... Aunt Mabel, don't, don't try to talk anymore. Those chocolates, Becton, that you gave me this morning, oh, that was an awful naughty thing to do, Burton. And now you'll have to be punished for it. Wait a minute, Mrs. Wells. And Jonathan. Walter, too. Yeah, they were always so nice to you. I just can't understand why you did it. Mr. Dollar. Yes? You take Burton in hand. Give him... Give him a good talking to. Explain to him that... Mrs. Wells. That he... He must go... Around. Is she... Yeah. Well, Creeling... Get your hands up, Dollar. Huh? One move from you and Norma gets a bullet right in the back. Let go of me! Into the closet, Dollar. Don't go on, you... fool, Creeling. Hurry up. Go on. Now, remember one thing, Dollar. I'm taking Miss High and Mighty here along. If they get me, then she goes, too. The door was solid, built to last. It took me several minutes to smash it open. The nurse in the corridor said Creeling and Norma Wells had gone down in the elevator. I grabbed the floor phone and called the main desk in the lobby. They said some man and a girl had just stolen an ambulance from the emergency driveway and headed west onto the Lakeshore Parkway. And at that moment, Max Lancer stepped off the elevator. Johnny, what's going on? Back to your car, Max. Come on. We could hear the ambulance siren for a while somewhere up ahead of us. Then we lost it. Max kept the red light flashing and the accelerator on the floorboard. The speedometer needle edge passed 85, touched 90, and hung there. We were nine miles up the parkway when I saw it. Parked cars, a crowd gathering, and the ambulance rolled over against the bank. Where are they? A man in the crew got out of it. They ran into the brush there. He's carrying a gun. Take the east side, Johnny. I'll go around the other way. Right, Max. And watch yourself. 
The undergrowth was heavy. A mass of dark shadows slashed here and there by beams of light from the headlamps of the cars on the road above. Max disappeared into the night, and I moved on alone. Minutes passed. Then a car light shifted slightly, and I saw them, only a few yards away, crouched against a tree. He was holding the gun pressed against his side. Hold it, Dollar. You're finished, Creeley. You better give up. You know what I told you. If I go, she goes. Johnny, he's going to kill me. I was holding my gun at my side, but I didn't dare lift it, try to aim it. One false move on my part, and he pulled the trigger, blast the life out of Norma Wells. Then she struggled slightly, tried to pull away from him. I had a one-second chance, and I took it. Are you all right? Yes. Yes, I'm all right. Yes. I didn't have time to call the shot. I had to get it off fast. Yeah. Looks like it caught him in the heart. Expense account item 16, $231.25. Hotel and incidentals in Chicago and transportation back to Hartford. Expense account total, $416.40. End of account, end of report. Remarks? A heart with a bullet hole in it. There's a real lonely heart. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Now, here's our star to tell you about next week's intriguing story. Next week, the Callicles matter, which is just another way of saying the Greeks had a word for it. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, is transcribed in Hollywood. Written by Les Crutchfield, it is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone. Heard in this week's cast were Lucille Meredith, Mary Jane Croft, Virginia Gregg, Herb Ellis, Howard McNear, and Stacey Harris. Musical supervision by Amerigo Marino. Be sure to join us on Monday night, same time and station, for another exciting story of Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Roy Rowan speaking.
Welcome back. There are Johnny Dollar serials missing episode 2, episode 3, and episode 4. Oh, I think the worst is missing episode 4 because a lot tends to happen that really does lead up to the solution. But I, there were also plenty of twists in episode 5 of this uh, story that it's still an entertaining one to listen to. Now, of all of the serials with missing episodes, the Lonely Hearts Matter episode four is the one I'd most like back just because it's important for Flo. And plus, I think that the character of Mrs. Wells is interesting and fun to listen to. And even if episode four sounds like it had a lot of her uh, talking, that would be uh, pretty entertaining in its own right. Now, in the book, John Abbott notes that there have been quite a few articles and scholarship casting doubt on ground glass as a murder method. And certainly the idea that it would be something that would be used repeatedly is a bit of a stretch, but it works okay for this story. Now, Johnny Dollar's stories don't always end with a big, exciting pursuit and shootout, but this one really provided something that was interesting to listen to. And I honestly did not remember that from the first couple of times I, I was through this story, mainly because what stands out to me about the story in my memory, because what stands out about this story is the episode four being missing, but I think that this was a really good suspenseful conclusion. Johnny bowed to reality and killing the murderer. His line about not being able to call a shot really applies to nearly all real-life uh, shootings where you've got a law enforcement officer facing off against a, an armed suspect. The idea of shooting the gun out of the suspect's hands, particularly when there's a hostage involved, is just kind of the stuff of cowboy movies and some old-school police shows. Because if you don't do what Johnny did, uh, there are all sorts of risks of the armed suspect hitting you or the hostage. Listener comments and feedback now. And we have an email regarding two different episodes, uh, raises two different questions, so I'll read the question about one and then the question about the other. And uh, the first referenced today's episode, uh, which was the Shepherd Matter, uh, episodes one and two, on today's episode of Johnny Dollar, you say that you don't know why the insurance investigator would continue with this investigation. Wouldn't the company want to continue to determine if they should prefer charges for attempting to defraud? That's a good question. I'm not sure, to be honest. Because one thing you do pick up from Johnny Dollar is that for the insurance company, it's not just always about the money. But in some cases, it's also about creating a deterrence uh, for people who might want to defraud the company. Now, I don't think that trying to take out a life insurance policy because someone threatened your life would be an attempt to defraud. It'd just be a bad risk for the company. But would the company want to investigate, have some interest in an insurance application 
that was submitted as part of a criminal enterprise. That I don't know, but that's a good thought. Also, on the Laird Douglas matter, I'm curious why Johnny was specifically targeted by Mrs. Lawson Ames. After killing two or three other protectors, how could she expect to gain by killing a high-profile investigator? Well, thanks for the question, and from what I can understand, and this is where things get a little odd, if you recall back to episode two of the Laird Douglas Douglas of Heatherscope Manor, a guy named Ray Rowland comes over to Harry Branson's office. And according to Johnny, up to this point, she hoped that Laird Douglas Douglas of Heatherscote could win the dog show. And so I would imply that she brought Johnny in as like a for show thing since the previous incidents to show that she was concerned about Laird Douglas Douglas of Heatherscote's safety. However, Ray Rowland gave his opinion that Laird Douglas Douglas of Heatherscote had no chance of winning the dog show. And so according to Johnny's solution, at that point, she decided she had to kill Johnny because she had some other killings she had to do and she had this famous investigator around. And it's also implied that after she called for Johnny, she learned of the other dog owner's nephew's plot to pare down the family fortune. A combination of those two things led her to decide that she needed to get rid of Johnny. Admittedly, it's a bit far-fetched and convoluted, and the Laird Douglas Douglas of Heatherscope matter, it still has the redeeming qualities I mentioned on Tuesday, but it's definitely not among my top 50 serials of the 57 that they did. Well, now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. And I want to go ahead and thank Rosa and John. Rosa and John have been our Patreon supporters since January of 2020, currently supporting the podcast at the Detective Sergeant level of $7.14 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support. And that will do it for today. If you are enjoying this podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. And if you're enjoying the podcast on YouTube, be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel, and mark the notification bell. We'll be back with another Yours Truly Johnny Dollar serial on Tuesday. But join us back here tomorrow for Dragnet, where... The next step was for Ben and I to make a complete report to Chief Ed Backstrand. They got Lindsay, huh? That Fred Lindsay in auto theft? Yeah, Brian. Good cut. You say he wounded two out of the three in that holdup? Yeah. That means they'll have to have medical attention in a hurry. We'll check all the small hospitals, cover all the drugstores to get in line on anyone who's bought medical supplies in the last hour. Uh-huh. As soon as medical detail notifies Ms. Lindsay, I'd like to go over and see her. Smith and the medical details out there now. By the time you get back, we may have a flash in the drugstores or hospitals. We'll be back in 30 minutes. Call them when you get out there. Right, Ed. You might carry this with you. Yeah. I'm sick. I'm sick to my stomach about this thing. I want you to get those two-bit punks. 
I don't want them to see another sunrise. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to Box13 at GreatDetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And check us out on Instagram. Instagram.com slash GreatDetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.